0: Chapter 11 of Hebrews, as um, Brandon uh, was, was telling the children about before, is um, a chapter that it, it's sort of like the the big speech before like the end of the movie. You know, it's like the, the coach or whatever. He's got the theme and he's going and by faith, by faith, by faith. Um, and it's so encouraging because all the men that that are referred to, uh, while they are heroes of the faith, all of them had their failures. All of them needed a savior just like we do. So let's look at these uh, few verses referring to Moses, and then we'll hear Pastor Todd uh, preach about this. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Josh, I don't know if you know this, but that was my, and is my mother's favorite song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. You play a little bit differently than she does. <laughs> it's really, that it was great. Thank you all. Worship team, musicians, thank you for your faithful service. Uh, we all are the recipients of your many uh, hours and days and years of training. Josh, I know it was just six quick, easy weeks, wasn't it? One of those little, uh, little programs for children, yeah, so... Well, it's good to be back with you. Thank you all for your prayers. Monday we had a funeral for Mary Ann's father, Charles Fellows. Some of you know, knew him. Uh, he had visited out here many times, and uh, he knew the Lord, and uh, so we were in Denver. Thank you, Nathaniel, for all the details last weekend, and, uh, and we're, we're glad to be back and continuing in this, this uh, series with you. Uh, on the subject of change. So I have made an executive decision, and uh, that is that we have um, much more content today than uh, would be uh, needed. Uh, We have plenty to talk about with just half of the ideas, and so uh, I'm going to just speak on two points this morning. Sometimes in church, that uh, evokes the Hallelujah Chorus. Uh, just sudden spontaneous thing, so um, it 's great that we can just focus on a couple of things, and so you 'll see on your outline there God is in control and and God is glorious and so next week we 're going to look at this hebrews eleven passage once again, and uh, so that 's for your information and Would you join me in prayer as we think about god 's word, Lord? Thank you for the chance to be among my friends this morning <clears throat> and Help us to, to acknowledge that we are all glory seekers. Over 100 million people today will watch a football game. And at some point tonight, the lights in the stadium will turn up. And life will go on. And people who who have sought happiness and deep fulfillment will go on and find and look for something else but father the light that you have started in us that you have lit in our soul will never be turned out and so we pause to ask you that you would reignite the flame of our soul make us human again we want to encounter you Help us to do this by faith and to make this delightful and love and, and wonderful. Help me to not be a distraction. We, we ask these things for your glory in christ's name. Amen. This is pure gold. Hebrews eleven is pure gold. What you have here is you have the Bible interpreting the Bible. And whenever you see that in your Bible, you should make note. Whenever you see that a New Testament writer is interpreting something from the Old Testament, you have gold, you have Scripture interpreting Scripture, and you have insights that are extraordinary and wonderful and soul-enriching, good stuff. Hebrews 11 is that. We are now given insight into Moses' thinking. What was going on in, in, in his heart, in his mind, and what was happening with Moses when he made the decision, I'm no longer going to be associated with the, with the house of Pharaoh, and I'm going to turn from that privilege... And I'm going to serve the living God. What was going on in his mind? You have gold in the writer of Hebrews who says this is what was going on in his mind. He was comparing the options, comparing the the relative glory, the glories of serving God or the glories of staying in Pharaoh's house. He was weighing it and he was considering it and he turned in his heart. And he in the process was changed by truths, all of you have, and I have, truths that are rattling around in your mind, truths, truths that are going to lead to, you think, I think, your happiness, uh, a way of living, a way of choosing decisions. It, it's There's truths that are rattling around. You may be aware of them. You may not be, but they're there. Moses has been living in a truth system. He's been living a certain way of living. And then suddenly dawns on him, he's had an encounter with the living God, and he's now weighing, what's it like to follow the living God and to change my whole truth system? My whole truth system. Now, our beliefs, the things that we really truly believe, are somewhat hidden from us. I really believe that. I think you'll find that in your experience. The things you really believe about what you are owed in life, the things that you're living for, the good life, the things that you think you should have in life, those things are just sort of like the RAM, the random access memory. It's just sort of your machine is turned on, your computer's working, and it's just sort of how it's the system of your thinking. Now, you're not really aware of the random access uh, living that's underway. You're not really aware of it until you're will is crossed. Something you want doesn't happen. And now what, hap- what comes to the surface is where you're really living, what you really believe in. So if you find yourself impatient uh, with someone in the, in the family, your heart has been thwarted. The things you want have, uh, have been uh, crossed and now the true you is rising up, and you're aware, and your your uh, your spouse in the kitchen is is aware of, of the true you. whoa i didn't realize this was that important to you. The true you is often hidden from you, and in fact we're, I would just say that we're actively trying to hide that knowledge from ourselves now. Let me give you what God does with preachers because we talk so much and we have so much to say to other people. We have just, just, just we can just dispense stuff. We, have, we just, wake me up at three in the morning, I'll tell you about Haggai or something, right? In other words, we just have stuff to say to people. And God has a particular ministry to people who just talk for a living. Um, and he, what he does is he shows them their hearts and he shows them that they are just like the people they preach to and they're no different and their struggles are just as real and probably even more intense. So some of you know that Marianne and I and the kids, we had a special trip to Australia several years ago and uh, Marianne did a lot of the details and the planning of the trip and I was just sort of like, not, yeah that sounds great, yeah sure, okay we'll do that, okay great. And all the while I'm just thinking, of course much of our trip will include a porch and my sipping coffee and, and reading books, right? And uh, no, Marianne has a different understanding of vacations than I do. Uh, hers is an activity-driven act, uh, vacation. I always when you go to some place and have all these brochures of what to do. I just like throw those away. I don't have anything planned for my vacation. Well, Marianne had this plan that we would go to this place called Grampian's National Park. And uh, it's on the, it sounds really romantic, and I don't know what it sounds like. It sounds like a national park. But uh, what it is, it's is sort of this, it's sort of a f- fancy name for the outback and a desert. Okay, so Grampian's National Park is uh, a place, if I never go back there again, I'll be okay. Um, <laughs> it, it looked like Arizona um, on a bad day. And uh, and so we, she signs us up for rock climbing, right? Rock climbing. Mm, I'm thinking, okay, I can do this. I've done this before. So it was good intro stuff. Um, the, our instructor was a woman. She had bigger shoulders than I did. She, I, she looked scary to me, and she had absolutely no empathy skills. Zero. <laughs> she had the empathy skills of the rocks we were climbing, so, I'm enjoying it. It's kind of intro stuff, good stuff. We climb, do the thing. Okay, very good. And uh, if those of you who are really into technical climbing, we were not doing 5.12s uh, or all that stuff going backwards. It's like 5.5s, five 5.6s. Five okay, so... ...me falling off the rock. I'm not sure what that was. All right, so... So, we're... Um, we're climbing, and we're done with climbing, and that's great. And now we have this thing. Uh, the Europeans call it abseiling, a well, strange word for rappelling, right? Rappelling. So we're going to go around, and we're going to rappel. And so, so we go around, and we're going up this very steep part of uh, should I just use the handheld or something? Is this working? Uh, I'll use the handheld. Okay, so, so how did the early church ever work without microphones? Who, how did that ever work? So we're going up the side of this mountain that we've been climbing. Now, this mountain was a very strangely shaped mountain because you'd think it has one side that looks like the other side. But as climb, we climbed up the edge, uh, went along this, we got to the top of this mountain, and it was a, on the other side it was a sheer rock face. Now, I had never seen one of these before in my life. Where, I mean, when you look, well, I mean, you realize that it's going 90 degrees; it's going straight down for several hundred feet, and it is just an awful thing to be on the edge of a sheer rock face, okay? Now, uh, so I am there, and I immediately start, my palms start sweating. When I recount this story, my palms start sweating. And we're, I'm several hundred feet above this, this sheer rock face, and uh, I'm in mild shock, And I sat my family down because the true me had just come to the surface. I was scared, uh, very scared. Um, I was looking for a vending machine that dispensed adult diapers. And um, I was very, very, uh, very, very scared. So we prayed. We prayed for Dad. And um, we survived the day. Uh, Aubrey went first, uh, which was just awful. Dad, at least you could have gone first. Aubrey went first. And uh, I was willing to sacrifice my first daughter. And uh, and it was just awful. And uh, you see, what God did that day was uh, my true thoughts about our vacation came to the surface. I really believe that I should be on a a porch sipping coffee. And my circumstances were pressing in on me. And I would like to have said... That my circumstances caused my response. But something happened inside me where my rights to my life, my rights to my peace, my rights to whatever I thought I deserved, that that was that is really what was gripping me. And so rising to the surface in your heart, if you are aware of what's in your heart, it's actually the half the battle. So if you find yourself tomorrow at 11.09 in the morning facing something you would not have chosen, an an associate at work saying something you don't like, a situation in your family you don't ever want to see happen again, and it bothers you, and it brings out the true you, if you can actually see the true you, that's actually half of the battle. Now, what Moses has said, Uh, is experiencing, is this is quite remarkable, Moses is aware that the moment he identifies with Israel and he identifies himself as a follower of Abraham and the true living God, the moment he does that, the whole civilization, we could use that term for Egypt, the whole civilization of Egypt and all of its power would be turned against him. It was a life-threatening decision. And so, what I want you to see is, as we listen to the scripture again, I want you to listen carefully to what is what is going on in his mind. Listen carefully. Let's hear the word of God again. Verse twenty. Uh, excuse me. Verse twenty-four. By faith, when he was growing grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. God became a greater source of pleasure for Moses than everything that Egypt was offering him. And now here's what I want you to take away. Here's the sermon in a sentence. I want you to figure out if I can help you this morning, great. If you can do this on your own with your Bible, great. Here's the deal. I want you to put together sentences in your mind, put them on three by five cards this week, and here's how it goes. If God, and now write out a statement about God, if God, therefore I, and now you fill in the blank. If God, therefore I, What I'm meaning is, is that this is what Moses is doing. He is now processing, if God is eternal, loving, majestic, gracious, uh, the source of all pleasure, if God, he's discovered this, therefore, and now he is engaged in real change, and he is able to make a difficult decision, he's actually willing to go toward the cliff, different than me toward the cliff and say if god therefore i now you work on that you do the work this week by faith if god therefore i and now this has this really does impact our view of ourselves our circumstances our our family our spouse and you are now going to as you engage if god therefore you are now going to turn From certain truths that you believe, this is me on the porch, right? Certain truths that you believe, and you're going to engage in new truth, and that new truth, based on Scripture, based on God, based on the gospel, that new truth will have a power to change you. I hope you are encouraged. You will become a calming presence among those that you work with, your family. You will become a person more engaged in how to serve other people. Yourself will sort of diminish. How this affects you, how this improves your life will become less of a concern. I think we'll always struggle with that. Moses sees the potential of a full life absorbed in Egypt, its status, its glories. He knows what's, he knows what's possible for him. In fact, uh, historians tell us that that particular Pharaoh had no male uh, heirs and maybe Moses would have been Pharaoh of Egypt. And he refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter And he turns and willingly accepts suffering. How about that? Start your day off tomorrow. Lord, today I am going to willingly accept difficulties and hardships. Bring them my way. Help me to die to myself. And so he turns from self-protection if God, therefore, turns from status willing to become a servant of the living God He's weighing the treasures of Egypt and weighing the treasure of knowing and following God. So, very quickly, let me give you one key thought, and then I'll give you one more. Uh, If God is in control, number one, God is in control, and now you could fill this in. Therefore, we don't have to be in control. This is what Moses discovers. God is the Sovereign King over all that happens on the Earth. Pharaoh now diminishes in moses 's sight. Pharaoh has gone from this great figure to this tiny uh, tiny kind of speck of dust in the in the dustbin of history. Moses sees him for who he is, and he sees God for who He is at least as much as possible. at least the text tells us that he sees the invisible. And in the moment he, that matters, he now says, I will choose the greatness of what I see. Hebrews 1 encourages us with these words. Jesus Christ sustains this very universe with the word of his power. Ephesians 1.11 tells us that God is working all things after the counsel of his own will. Proverbs 21 tells us that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he directs it like like water, like channels of water in any direction. God is sovereign. Show me, Lord, is the prayer that we should say. Show me what Moses saw. Show me what he saw. Forgive me for my demanding, controlling stance Toward everyone and everything, is that you, a demanding, controlling stance we inherited that from Adam. We believe that we can make up our own make our own way, live wisely enough. What truth appears to you to be true, but upon biblical analysis is actually a falsehood. You see that's the process of spiritual growth. Uh, God knows that we're not normally courageous enough to pursue hard things like this. And so he brings hard circumstances, edge of a cliff, to bring to you the end of your clever ideas. You see, God is committed to you in a way that you probably don't realize He's willing to make you uncomfortable. His love is not a sentimental love. Can you imagine, parents, can I talk to you for a moment, that you would know that your child is going to go through a suffering and difficult experience tomorrow afternoon, and you are willing that it would happen? Do you know if you were willing to say, you know what, I think it will be in the end good and better than a self-protective stance from my heart toward my child, do you know that you no longer have sentimental love? You have a very high form of love because you want what is absolutely best and you're willing for whatever circumstances need to come along in order to bring about that good. God's love is not a sentimental love. You cannot read the story of Christ And what he went through and what, when we say, for God so loved the world, we're not talking about precious moments figurines. Sorry if I offended anybody there. We are talking about a radical, rugged love that's, in fact, difficult to understand at times. God is in control, therefore we do not have to be in control. And what we need to do now is this week, Hebrews 11, over and over, what was going on in Moses' mind? Why would he do that? He was a person who could be in control, and willingly he gave that up because he could see and understand the one who was in control. Secondly, very quickly, God is glorious, therefore I do not need to fear others. God is glorious, See, Moses is seeing someone glorious, wonderful, and great, and there's a question rising up in his heart. Here it is. <laughs> why, why have I lived so long under the fear of man? You know this is true. We do see the remnants of this in Moses' life in the book of Exodus. We do know that he, is, he responds to the complaints of people, and he even complains to God. He is still recovering as one who is addicted to people's approval. We know that. But Moses, something's going on here. He's saying essentially what David said in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The truth is rising up. I've been a fearful person. And now a greater fear has replaced that fear, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is simply functioning. In many ways, you could say that Moses has become a human being again. He's become rehumanized. And that is that God is now in a rightful place, and people have, have uh, they've moved to their rightful place, or in the words of Ed Welch, Christian counselor, we are to love people more and need them less. Oh, okay. So a greater glory has now filled the heart. It's a glorious thing to have people like you, isn't it? That's, what a what a rush! What a, what a great feeling that is to have to to have people welcome you and to hold up the trophy later on today. And oh, you're just the greatest! Oh yeah. and then, what, what a, people live for this! Can I have I, one trophy is good? Can I have three or four of them? And it, it goes on and on. Psalm 34, perhaps Moses was thinking this. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. But what what was his answer? Psalm 34, and he delivered me from all my, my fears. What a great God. What did God show Moses? God showed Moses his glory. You know that, Exodus 3, burning bush. We know that Moses is now discovering the glory of God. It brought light. It brought power. It brought a way of seeing. Look what God has done for you. He's shown you glory. He's shown you glory in the work of his son, in the life of his son, his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. God has shown you his glory. I'm the king over all things. Look at my son. I'm glorious. I have a amazing plan for the whole world and it's good. He Look at my son because he has accomplished this. So what is God doing for us? What is change, really? What is change? Do you know how many millions of people in the United States alone would love to figure out what change looks like? Change is seeing God in his power and his glory and engaging with God, and he will bring about the glorious change we need. One of our problems, author Tim Chester says, is that we think only in moments. We only think right now in this moment. This is me on the cliff. I only think of that moment right now, right then. God is calling us. God called Moses to see this massive plan extraordinary plan it's an extraordinary plan that made Egypt just shrink in his sight and Moses said I'm engaged I'm on you can count count on me to follow you because I see I see you as this extraordinary God who has now mastered all of my fears all of my control needs these are all in you so will you join me in prayer Father, a lot of ideas, a lot of truth. Father, is there really a greater glory than the glory of protecting ourselves? Father, thank you for the cliff moments of our life, that you're compassionate toward us, that you don't just give advice from heaven but you sent your son. In many ways, was abandoned on the cliff. That we would never be abandoned. He faced the greatest fears we could ever imagine. Was willing to go all the way for, for your glory and to love sinners. So we love you, Lord. We thank you for the, the Lord's Supper. Feed your lambs, Lord. Encourage us.